I'm Larissa, and I want to help you find the best strategy for communicating the magic and wonder of your jewelry brand so you can thrive by doing what you love and filling the world with beauty and creativity. Welcome to the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Larissa Worstiak. On this podcast, I explore topics in digital marketing for jewelry designers and retailers, including branding, content, email, events, social media, and more. This is episode 79, and today I'm gonna to be sharing my interview with Deb Labuddy, who's the founder and CEO of Memo, which is an e-commerce fine jewelry retailer that offers its customers a very unique shopping experience. Launched in December 2016, the first of its kind e-commerce site completely transformed how consumers shop for fine jewelry, since they can actually try the jewelry on at home for three days before they decide to buy. Some of Memo's earliest design partners included Greek designer Lala Unis, Emily P. Wheeler, and Jane Taylor, all of whom are still on board. You've likely heard the industry term on memo, which refers to jewelry retailers allowing their special clients to wear a piece at home before buying it. Inspired by this practice and also seeing a need for it in the e-commerce space, Deb left her previous career as a corporate executive and founder and managing partner of a closely held venture capital fund to create memo. Full disclosure, Memo has been one of my clients since 2018. I have loved working with them, and it's been really exciting to see how they've grown and evolved over the years. In this episode, we chat mostly about how consumer expectations around shopping for fine jewelry are changing, and how Memo is just disrupting the industry with its new-to-launch home try-on program, which we'll talk about in this episode. We cover questions like, who are your target customers? What do they like most about the Memo model? How do you attract new customers and retain existing ones? How will the home try-on program change? How consumers expect to shop for jewelry? And what do you envision for the future of the home try-on program? And more. But before we get to that interview, I just want to share some marketing-related news and articles that caught my attention over the past week. So last week we talked about Kendra Scott. Well, I'm gonna talk about the brand again because they are killing it. Retail Dive recently wrote about how the direct-to-consumer retailer just introduced an augmented reality-based try-on tool which allows customers to virtually try jewelry in the comfort of their own homes. Per the brand's statement, customers can try on the products with dynamic lighting and even see how something like earrings move when the person moves. I've been really impressed by all the ways that Kendra Scott is making innovation a top priority for their brand. Next, Practical E-Commerce shared some important tips about writing copy for your e-commerce website that will actually help you drive conversions. They suggest that writing at a fifth grade reading level is the best way to help your customers understand your products quickly and get them to buy. If you're using fancy jargon and flowery descriptions on your product pages and even across your website, then you could actually be unknowingly turning away your customers. 
Try using a free tool like the Hemingway app to check the readability of your copy. And finally, I loved hearing Hillary Kerr, the co-founder and chief content officer at Who What Where, interview Shelley Gibbs Sanders on her Second Life podcast. Sanders is the founder of fine jewelry brand The Last Line. I was so impressed by her story. Throughout her career, Sanders worked as the head jewelry designer for dozens of high-end brands, including House of Harlow 1960 with Nicole Richie, the Rachel Zoe collection, and others. During that time, while she was getting feedback from clients and kind of figuring out what did and didn't work in terms of her product launches, she kept a folder full of product ideas just for herself. And then by 2017, she had amassed so many ideas that she felt ready to launch her own line and realize her vision. The last line is an excellent example of a brand that meets customers where they are by designing for them instead of at them. If you want to get the links to the articles I share in this segment of the podcast, you can sign up for my email newsletter by visiting joyjoya.com slash sign up and you'll get a digest with the links every time a new episode drops. Also, I wanted to let you know that I'm running replays of my webinar, Five Ways to Maintain Jewelry Marketing Momentum During a Global Crisis. So if you missed it the first time, you can visit joyjoya.com webinars to sign up for a time slot that works for you. You'll also receive a download to the webinar and a transcript that you can refer to at your convenience. All right, let's jump right into my interview with Deb. I'm curious, what is your opinion on how the coronavirus outbreak will influence the future of retail, specifically jewelry and luxury? Yeah, I mean, certainly the question of the day, right, Larissa? I mean, everybody's, you know, we're all trying to figure that out, right, for sure. Um, you know, generally for ourselves, for, for so many different um, industries, really. You know, um, and there's a lot of different reports on this, too, of course, but you know, I think certainly, and others have said as well, um, you know, look, we were, we were following a certain course already, right, with, with a shift from physical retail to online retail, you know, in some places blending very, very nicely the two. Um, you know, jewelry was one of the, has been one of the fastest growing categories online, right? And so I think with where we are today and with the coronavirus, right, people are home, they're being forced to shop online. And so I think, if anything, you know, that's just going to speed that along even faster. Um, I, I always think, like many do, that there's a place for physical retail. So, you know, I think that's going to continue. But what, what will that look like, I think, is the question, right? Um, I do think, too, though, it, you know, this whole pandemic, um, it really, I think, forces you to think more about the customer relationship, mm -hmm. right? I think, you know, we as a whole are thinking more about that with others around us and wanting that connect, you know, connectedness with other people. And so I think from a, even from a digital company perspective, you know, more so than ever, you have to think about the client and how you're serving them, right? And are you being innovative in the way that you're bringing your products to market that can make it more personal? So I think those are going to be the big things. Those are such good points. I think, um, I think a lot of retailers were probably like mm, hesitating to move forward with like a full digital strategy or really thinking through how to upgrade their customer experience. And now it's like, you know, they're standing on the edge of a diving board, not really sure, like afraid to jump. And then this thing just went, boom, okay, go in the water, figure it out. 
great point. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure you see it, too, you know, you're here over and, you know, over and over again, people talking about this pause, right? And, you know, you probably feel it. I know I feel it. It's sort of a, a forced pause, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're home and you're with family and you're not in your normal work environment. But, you know, I think pauses in life are not necessarily bad from the standpoint of letting you sort of self-reflect. Um, and I see that happening in business as well. Um, and a lot of the designers that we've spoken with, you know, I, I know are taking the time now, like you said, to look at their digital strategy, right? Like before it was kind of important, all of a sudden it's really important, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool, actually. You know, like let's all hope that there's some good, really good things that come from it, right? Um, but yeah, so different times for sure. Definitely. So I want to know, I'm sure that this kind of theme of the upgrading of digital strategy is going to kind of weave through our, our whole conversation today. I think it's going to keep coming back. Um, so I want to get a little bit of background about the memo story to inform our listeners and viewers. I want to know, so when did memo first come to be and what initially gave you the idea to start the company? Yeah, sure. So uh, memo, experiencememo.com has been live um, for about four years. Um, I say live because we did launch the site privately and ran it for about six months. Um, just, you know, we have a different model. We have a, a model where we not only curate collections, but we offer uh, a very intimate home try-on service to our clients. Um, and so in launching that, of course, we needed to make sure a lot of things were done right with respect to security and insurance and all of that. And so, you know, we did a private launch and then we, we finally launched about just about four years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of where the concept came from, um, you know, I am not from the jewelry industry. I'm from corporate America, as they say, <laughs> uh, but I've always had a passion for jewelry. And so you know, the impetus for Memo initially was, you know, at the time I was traveling a lot for businesses, uh, for the businesses I was involved with, mm -hmm. um, mostly in the, in the States, some international. Um, but when I was traveling, I would go and, and often have extra time um, and, and wander around the villages or the cities and actually come across jewelry designers. Um, and to me, that was like so cool, right? You, uh -huh. you really sense of their craft, of who they are as a person. Um, and, and frankly, the pieces even ended up having more meaning that way, right? And so, you know, my career shifted. I wasn't traveling as much, um, but I missed that. And I was like, gee, you know, how can I discover these artists? How can I get a sense of their, of their craft, right? Um, a lot of these things are pieces are handmade um, and you have to hold them to appreciate them. You know, not only the, the craftsmanship, but the, the weight of the item itself. And mm -hmm. so that kind of all came together. I mean, you know, certainly the home try-on service perhaps is obvious why, why we wanted to have that piece of it. Um, you know, we also really highly curate the collections that we bring onto our website. Um, and we do that because, you know, in the marketplace today, I think, you know, you can get really sort of lost right? There's, there's some online environments that are great to, to go and find designers and their work. Um, but a few of them, you know, there's so many pieces now, there's so many designers, you know, and I think, you know, we and, and our clients have said the same, you kind of get lost in it, right? So we do a lot of curation in terms of, you know, limiting the number of designers we have, um, as well as, you know, making very tight, succinct collections. And we like to change them, of course. 
Um, so there's freshness, um, but it's that curated experience that we present. Mm-hmm. So, so what listen, was, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> what was it like to get your first designers on board? I mean, convincing them you have this innovative <laughs> approach, you know, you're going to be sending their pieces to strangers to try on at home. Like, how do you get someone to be on board with that? And who were some of those first designers that you had with Memo at the beginning? Yeah. Um, you know, it was interesting. I mean, so the reality again, you know, I, I didn't come from the industry, right? So that was a whole nother interesting hurdle to get over. I had a lot of learning to do myself. Um, but you know, one, there was a, a, a designer, uh, Barbara Heinrich, um, who she designs for a lot of private clients, beautiful, beautiful work. Um, and I, I actually didn't even know, but she was lived in my community and I, somebody made an introduction. We had coffee. Um, I think the first time she was kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> but I'll tell you, we met, uh, over the course of probably six months and each time she would just come back and she shared so much with me in terms of an understanding of the industry. And that was far before the time when we launched. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that was just the coolest thing and, and forever indebted to, to Barbara. And she's fantastic, her whole, whole team. Um, but yeah, those early conversations were, were tough, right? Um, you know, certainly one of the first questions that designers would ask us is, well, so if you're doing a home try-on service, then, you know, undoubtedly those people are actually going to put my pieces on. And, you know, it was interesting because they would say that and then they'd sort of pause because, well, of course they are and they do today, right? They do whether they're at a major retail place or they're at a local jeweler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're trying the pieces on, right? So it was interesting because they would say it, there was like slight concern and then they were kind of like, huh, okay, well, I guess they do that today, right? Um, and so, you know, that was sort of the biggest hurdle initially. Um, and then I think there was just a general uh, thinking then in the industry when we started, and I, I think it exists today, that, you know, things need to be done differently. You know, a lot of designers, you know, saw that this was coming, right? We're shifting everything online. We have to be innovative. Um, a lot of them also, I think, felt like, well, you know what? That makes sense because undoubtedly, if somebody holds my piece, they're going to understand the weight of it. And, you know, today online, you can't do that. Right. And the real reality today is with our website, we have a very high conversion rate from order to purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have most people buy, you know, most people order one piece at a time. So there's a very high intent to purchase. And they're us- using the service just to confirm in their mind that this is the piece that they think they're getting, right? That they, that they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you share what that conversion rate is or is that a, a confidential information? Uh, so we're, we're actually over 80%. Conversion. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Last year we trended even higher than much higher than that. Um, we etched up towards ninety percent um, during the midpoint of the year. And so, you know, it, I always say if you if you flip that on its head, it's it's less than a twenty percent return rate. Um, mm-hmm. The difference for us is it's three days, right? So the beauty for us, the beauty I think for the designers that work for us is that you know your pieces don't go out and then you know thirty sixty days later, you find out that they've been returned. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who are some of the designers that have been with you the longest, the most loyal memo designers? 
Um, so uh, I smile because they're like, they're our favorites. <laughs> you know, those that have been with us the longest, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and I, hopefully I have it, you know, I have the right group and I'm not missing everybody, but uh, Lala Lunis uh, from Greece um, has been fabulous to work with. Um, we have a really wonderful close partnership with them um, and they're delightful to work with. Um, we've also have a great relationship with Pippa Small in the UK. Um, again, great team, wonderful, you know, uh, craft for sure. Beautiful story uh, for sure as well. Uh, and Ileana Macri from Greece has been with us a long time too. I hope I'm not forgetting the early, <laughs> the early groups, but yeah. Jane so Taylor. I noticed like a lot of those are international. Is there a specific advantage for them for working with you? Like, are you bringing your products, bringing their products to the U.S. market or do they already have an into the U.S. market? No, I think for those designers, certainly they already had an in to the U.S. market. Uh, for sure. Um, you know, I think it's just a, a novel model for them. Um, you know, in the case of Lala Lunas, they hadn't actually done a lot online. So, you know, frankly, it was probably a huge leap, but it, but it's so cool that they joined us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're delighted to, ha- you know, showcase their collection. Um, I am talking to some designers now that are based internationally that that are actually looking at Memo as an entry into the United States. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and I think that's really, really um, cool. And I know we're going to chat about some of the other neat things we're doing. Um, but, you know, in those certain cases, those designers definitely see it as an avenue to the U.S. market, you know, because it's a new service. So it's not only an avenue, but it's in a new, you know, different special way. Definitely. So you guys are constantly adding new designers to the site. Well, not constantly, but on a fairly regular basis. How do you, but yet you still manage to keep the site very curated at the same time. Again, never feels overwhelming, but it still feels very fresh. So how do you go about finding the new designers? What's your thought process behind it? And like the frequency of how often you're adding new product? Yeah. Um, so, you know, in terms of how we find designers, that was mm-hmm. part of your question, right? Um, yes. So it's interesting. You know, not only, you know, did I not uh, come from the jewelry industry, um, I hate to say it, but when I started, I was not an Instagram user. <laughs> and I very much am now, as you know. Um, but, you know, we actually discover a lot of designers on Instagram. Uh-huh. And if you had told me that like three years ago, I would have been like, that's kind of crazy, right? Because, you know, certainly we've been to the big shows, Couture, which is beautiful, always, always, you know, fun and wonderful to, to see people. Um, but, you know, there's something about Instagram that instantly gives you a sense of like the designer's whole aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the neat thing I think about Instagram too is sometimes the websites aren't for the designer aren't updated, um, but typically you'll see the latest product on Instagram. Right. And so we do um, come across, we've added designers just by like meeting them through Instagram. Now we also huge for us is, you know, the quality, like quality is ultimately like number one. Um, we also look for like a, a distinct and unique uh, design aesthetic. Mm-hmm. So when we bring a collection on our site, like we don't want, we almost don't want like too many of the same things. Right. Because then you get that sort of lost effect. Yeah. Um, so we really look for collections that, you know, are cohesive and that have a sort of a unique style or point of view. 
Um, and again, oftentimes you can get that from looking at the Instagram. Mm -hmm. Does that sound crazy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's great. I think that's so current. And I think it's probably encouraging too to a lot of the people who listen to this podcast because they may not be super savvy with their e-commerce store, but they're trying to reach new customers through their social media. And I think hearing yep. that that's a way that people are seeking out jewelry, whether it's you, mm -hmm. the retailer, or like an end consumer, I think that that's very encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I almost wouldn't even be worried about like how many followers you have because you know, look, we're a young company. Um, we're still a young company, right? Um, and we've all been there, right? So, you know, I don't think, I don't tie followers to whether or not I want to bring somebody on. Because um, there's definitely designers we brought on that have smaller numbers of uh, followers, and yet, you know, the collections are amazing, right? Wow, that's really encouraging too. I like that <laughs> attitude. I think that that's kind of yeah. actually not the norm. I don't know in the jewelry industry, but in general, like for people to be seen as like legitimate, whether they have talent or not, they have to like have a big social media following. But I like your attitude that you're looking more at quality, you know, design perspective, stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So when you're talking to these new designers that you're thinking about bringing on, I'm sure the topic of exclusivity comes up because a lot of them already do have a direct-to-consumer um, channel or they may perhaps be working with other retailers too. So how do you navigate that topic? Mm -hmm. um, so we actually don't seek exclusivity mm -hmm. with designers. <laughs> um, you know... I mean, could that change in the future? Like maybe, but um, to be honest, like our whole ethos at Memo is, you know, from day one, we, we have thought about Memo as being a partner with, with the designers that we mm -hmm. work with. Um, you know, and I think, and I hope if you were to speak to any of our designers, they, they would sense that, they would com communicate that. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, not only like the exclusive part, like, so we, we even do something, I always call it the hybrid dropship. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so we'll actually let our designers hold the pieces. Um, and look, you know, I, you know, I've now been in this industry five plus years from the beginning. Um, and so I have a good sense of like the pain that's out there from a designer perspective, right? And so I know some of the pain sometimes can be, you know, look at these designers, they're entrepreneurs, they're investing a lot of money in their collections. And, you know, sometimes they're shipping those collections out. Um, you know, and for physical retail, obviously that you have to do that. Um, but I know that's a pain point, right? Because tracking that inventory, um, knowing whether it sell, sells, it gets returned, all of that, you know, is costly, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and plus there's press pulls, there's other opportunities even to sell it, you know, themselves in some cases. Right. Yeah. And so we do this, um, you know, we do, we hold some inventory for a few you know, specific situations on pieces, but for the most part, you know, we allow the designer to hold that product. And frankly, if they sell it, like, then they just let us know and we take it down from the site. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're really in this to grow each other's businesses together. I really view it like that. Um, and it's pretty cool, like, that we'll see a lot of reciprocal sharing with our designers too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. 
So that's probably, it probably helps too, that a lot of your designers, um, make one of a kind pieces so that you're able to have those on your site, as opposed to like, if they're on another retail site. So in terms of like exclusivity, I guess maybe that's more what I mean too. Like you have a piece that a person isn't going to find anywhere else. And like, that's why the customer is coming to memo as opposed to whatever other site. Well, no doubt. And I will say from that perspective, um, we are trending even more that way. Um, you know, I know we'll, we'll talk about some other um, exciting things that we're, we're doing right now. Um, but as far as memo goes, you know, that's really who we are and who we want to become more of, right, is a curated destination where you can uh, discover new designers, see their collections, and ultimately see even their new work. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe their new work like before anybody else does, right? Um, that's really where we want to, you know, where we want to evolve experience memo to. Yeah, that's really exciting. So tell me yeah. a little bit about your target customer and why mm-hmm. she's coming to you. What kind of sets her apart? What is she looking for? And what do they yeah. like about the memo model? Um, sure. So, you know, our, our client base today is predominantly female. Um, so, you know, the female self-purchaser that we've heard so much about, um, has rang true for memo for sure. Uh, over, I think we're close to 85% of our purchases to date have been been by women for themselves. Um, which I think is actually quite exciting as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but the average, you know, our typical demographic is, you know, an affluent woman in her, uh, we always say like 35 to 65 plus, um, our real, you know, core is in that 45 to 65, um, range of age, um, spread throughout the United States, which I think is really cool. So, you know, New York and California are certainly big, but they're only about, uh, just over 30% of our revenue comes from those two States. Everything else is everywhere in between. Um, you know, a lot of, um, senior executive women, so, you know, senior executives in companies, a lot of women that own their own companies. Um, and so it's really neat to see. And a lot of women who, you know, will buy one piece, come to the site for a designer they know, um, mm-hmm. and then look for other pieces and start to, you know, explore other designers. And I'd love to see that. <laughs> you know, and I'd love to see how they pair certain pieces with other designer pieces. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, the memo model, um, you know, it's just... It, it is about the touch and feel um, and about confirming that the piece that they think they love, that they really do love, you know, that it will be a forever piece. And luckily all of our pieces are, are made to last forever, frankly. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, and I know I had a client who um, came to the site. She, she bought, uh, it was an $8,000 ring and, you know, she, she actually, it wasn't on our site, but it was a designer and she asked if she could, she could, we could order it for her with home try on. (laughs) And luckily the designer said they would, which is great. But she said, you know, um, you know, she said it's even an expensive piece for me and I don't know her total, you know, wealth certainly, but she said, you know, I just want to be sure, you know, so, so many, some of the, some of the better, frankly, destinations for jewelry, you know, it's pre-order only. And so, you know, so if a woman like that, and I would say it's probably most of us, right? Um, boy, you, you hope it's right. <laughs> um, so that's what- That would intimidate me a lot. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> it's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard. 
yeah, you want to be right. So how do you go about um, attracting new customers and also retaining them? Like what goes into your marketing Mm -hmm. efforts for acquisition and also retention? Yeah. So, um, you know, customer acquisition is always, you know, the big uh, marketing challenge, right, for any online company. Um, You know, we do just a, a myriad of marketing tactics, which I think most people do today. So, you know, Instagram and social is certainly a, cha- a channel for us, um, but we do paid, you know, Google AdWords. Um, we try to be very focused in terms of um, how we do uh, AdWords. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stemming that or, or framing that around the designers and the collections we carry themselves. You know, for us, um, certainly we believe if somebody's Googling Lala Lunas, they've already sort of qualified themselves to a certain degree, right, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) of understanding, you know, um, the jewelry collections that we carry. And so um, it's really, you know, a multi-pronged approach. And we had some really lovely press early on. Um, You know, we're ranked with the In Town and Country's list of best websites early on. Um, and we've had other coverage in, you know, Harper's Bazaar and, and um, uh, even the New York Times, which was phenomenal, actually, mm-hmm. for us. So that's, that's all helpful. I'd love for you to talk a little bit more, too, about um, how you um, speak to the customer experience through your packaging and through that home try-on <laughs> experience. So what does the customer, like, get when she has this home try-on experience? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're asking that, actually, because it, that's actually, I think, initially um, something we knew we wanted to do with respect to our packaging and how we make that special, but I think we didn't realize how critical it really was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think, I think from an industry perspective, um, you know, people um, ship things out. They spend a lot of time on focusing on, you know, securing that purchase online, and then they send them out and it sort of ends there. And yes, there might be a follow-up email, right? But I remember right before we launched, you know, we ordered, we ordered product from other websites <laughs> just to have a sense of what is that experience like? And I have to say it was really disappointing. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we ordered um, background noise, right? Thousand <laughs> dollar pieces that um i think we did i didn't lose you did i know no i still got you okay um so we ordered thousand dollar pieces and they arrived in you know the standard fedex box and they you know we opened up the box and there was the the jewelry pouch um and that was about it and there's your like you know itemized list thing right but nothing to remind you what that piece was, why was it special, why did I like this in the first place, and why is it worth $1,000, right, all of those things, so it was really, it really fell flat, and so, you know, we spend a lot of time, um, in, in, our, in our model, of course, it kind of forces you to think, you know, post the order, right, and post the shipment, because we haven't made the sale yet, right, mm-hmm. and so it behooves us to make sure that that experience is an exceptional one, Um, And it just, you know, it suits itself, obviously, to our model. And so we take a lot of time to, um, you know, package it beautifully. We don't just put it in a FedEx box and send it. Um, There's a signed note card that goes along with it. Um, We we spend uh, a little extra to have the finest silk ribbon tied around our packaging. Um, And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I always thought early on that 
by, by extending this courtesy of home try-on and presenting it as we do, I think our clients feel that, right? They feel special about that and they reciprocate that courtesy. So even the pieces that do come back, it's interesting because they come back pristine. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say that we've had, like since, since we launched, um, we've had no 0% of um, damaged, lost uh, items, you know, that have gone out. Wow. Not come. <laughs> now we got a ton of security, make sure that everything goes right. But hey, things do happen. Um, but instead, you know, um, our clients are, you know, so careful about how they send them back. There's a respect that's, that comes back to us. Um, and oftentimes it comes back with a note from that, which is pretty cool. That's so amazing to hear. I love that. Yeah. So I want to transition into this exciting new program that you're doing, um, the Home Try-On API that you're, that you're partnering with different designers who aren't on the memo site, but allowing them to offer the memo home try-on experience through their own e-commerce channel. So tell me, how is this different from what you're currently offering? And give me some background information. Yeah, great. Um, and we're not, we actually haven't publicly announced this yet. So <laughs> you've got a little inside track here, I know, but it's, uh, it's great. Um, and we're super excited about it. So, um, you know, we built an uh, interface that basically allows, and it's just a little bit of code actually, that um, if somebody today, um, initially it's working on the Shopify sites. So if you have a Shopify site, um, you basically just embed this little bit of code into your system, and then you can actually go into your back end and select any, any products that you'd like to offer home try-on powered by Memo. And so what that means is um, if a customer comes to your website and they select a product, there will be a button to purchase, and there'll be a button underneath that says home try-on. And if they click that, um, it goes through our system to process that order, which means authenticating the customer, doing the security and fraud checks, um, and then either approving the order or not. That's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's cool because yeah. the, uh, sorry. No, no, tell <laughs> me what's, what's cool. Um, so, I mean, I think the coolest part is that designers, I mean, look, everybody, and, and frankly, we're, we're like pushing this out a lot faster now because um, so many designers are looking for solutions and, mm -hmm. you know, I see designers discounting and Hey, you know, we always, every once in a while, we like to have a little discount for clients. Right. But I see people like doing some heavy discounting of their products. And I think, you know, there's other ways to satisfy the customer. And I think, you know, for the long term, um, the whole try-on solution really provides an added service. Mm -hmm. um, and I think people are, are wanting to feel special right now too. And so it's kind of a unique opportunity to add this additional service to your website. Um, and look, people are home, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you might totally. do the home drive because you are there. <laughs> That's such fun. a great point. Yeah. yeah. So for the designers that end up do getting involved with this, that end up getting involved with this program, besides some of the obvious things, like they get more exposure and they get to share this experience mm -hmm. with their customers. What are some of the benefits for them to like sign on to this? Yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely, I mean, number one is really offering this new service to their clients. 
Um, but we really believe that um, there's a, a bigger uh, relationship that's built with the client um, by offering the service. I mean, we have definitely seen it at Memo. Um, we have uh, many, many repeat clients that come to the website, um, but we also like know more about them, right? Because we know what they've like looked at or ordered. And, you know, sometimes those orders that come back tell you more about somebody than, you know, the things that they keep. <laughs> um, and I say that because um, I think this model fosters a conversation with the customer. And so we've had a number of clients say to us, um, you know, that was like the best shopping experience I've ever had for fine jewelry. Um, mm -hmm. And they, even though we're an online company, they feel like there's that, there's something more, there's something more personal and intimate happening, right? And so I think for the long term, it's very exciting for um, designers to be able to offer the service. Um, but it also, it also just augments their own direct-to-consumer effort. And so, um, you know, with that service, there's, of course, a fee that comes along with it, but they're maintaining the bulk of the margin. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and, and frankly, right now, and I go back to partnership, right? So we're just launching this service. And so, you know, there are things that we're going to learn and we're going to improve on. We know the bulk of it because we've been doing the bulk of it now for, for you know, uh, just over four years. Um, but when we're rolling it out now, we're actually, so with the initial group of designers, there's no upfront fee, right? We're, um, we're taking the liability for any sort of insurance issues that occur because that's our responsibility. Um, and we're even splitting some of the, the shipping or the return costs. And so it's not a bad thing to try. <laughs> it seems like a win-win situation. I mean, there's, it, there's no risk involved because you're doing all the work of like authenticating the customer, doing the insurance mm -hmm. part. Right. Right. You know, and, and for the, in the longer term too, I think there's so much that we, we learn now that the customer um, to be clear is the designer's right? And so um, they will get emails uh, automatically from the system, you know, when their three days are up and all of that transactional emails. Um, but they don't go into our email list. We're not emailing them about experience memo. We're very clear about those lines being drawn. Um, that said, there's some, you know, there's some top level data, not at a customer level, um, that we're going to learn from in terms of, you know, what's working for this designer, versus the other designers that are using home try on and hmm. if something's different why right and so i think in the future there's a lot of learnings that can occur that we can feed back to them to help them further with their marketing efforts that's so valuable it, it reminds me a lot about um things i've heard about rent the runway for example and mm -hmm. um rental companies like that that partner with designers like one of the <laughs> most valuable things that they're giving back to their to their like retail partners is yeah. not even exposing them to new customers, but the data that they're able to give back to them that right. they can in turn take to like product development, to marketing and all that. Yeah, definitely. You know, we've had early on, even with experience memo pieces that have come back that designers have actually um, changed because they were, they were getting selected and they were coming back for the same reason every single time. <laughs> um, and I remember one particular case, it was just this pendant fell in the wrong place. Huh. You just have to shorten up that chain a little bit, you know, and it was, um, but there's, or, you know, there's things like that that you can learn. That's amazing.
So how is this different from what you're currently offering on the memo site? Well, I think it goes back to what we spoke of early on in terms of, you know, memos focused on being highly curated and having, you know, very tight collections, uh, ultimately more, you know, more one of a kind or early collections that come out. Um, and I think as this rolls out, we'll become even more of that. Um, look, we don't, we're not here to compete with the designers, mm-hmm. um, you know, by any stretch, right? We're here to augment. I do think there's something very powerful, though, from a customer acquisition perspective. Um, if you have, you know, experience memo as a certain online destination um, where there's home try-on, but on that home try-on site, you can see the other places that you can shop that offer the same service. And that is something that we're planning on doing. Um, in essence, we'll be sending customers to these other websites, to these other designers' websites too. Um, and so I think there's an interesting sort of um, acquisition cost that starts to get um, you know, diluted a little bit and, mm-hmm. and, and lowered a little bit from a designer perspective if they've got that marketing engine working for them as well. Mm -hmm. I meant to ask you earlier in the conversation about fulfillment, but I thought I would wait till now because I want to compare how like order fulfillment works when someone's Mm -hmm. trying something on through your website, whether Mm -hmm. as opposed to through like a designer partner website, how does that all get handled? Yeah. So for experience memo for our website today, um, like I mentioned before, we have this um, hybrid dropship situation. So in most cases, we receive an order, um, we email the designer, and then and we send them a shipping label. They ship to us, and then we ship to the client. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there's added cost in that. <laughs> um, but it's really about ensuring that the the whole experience is, is correct and consistent, right, for the customer. But all so that happens, we- like, so quickly in a magical way. I, like, can wrap my head around that, how that process works. <laughs> well, we're delighted that, you know, FedEx and UPS are working. Um, you know, when they show up at my door, I said, you know, thank you guys. <laughs> if you keep working, we can keep working. And so I'm delighted for that. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, and we do ship everything, look at the, at the price points we're at, um, we can afford to ship overnight and, and still be okay. Right. Overnight insured. And so that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, and then from the API perspective, um, it changes slightly in that, um, you know, we are, we see the order come in because we're authenticating it and we're approving it. If the order is approved, um, we're, we're um, triggering back to the designer that they can ship the, ship the um, piece. Um, and we're even sending out uh, the shipping label with that. Um, and we're doing so because I actually think we can be very competitive um, by aggregating the shipping costs across mm-hmm. designers. So, you know, and, and to the extent a designer feels they have better rates, fine, right? But um, I believe that we'll have better shipping rights collectively that we could offer back to the designer and send them the shipping label to then send the package out. Great. So I know that Amy Gregg was the first designer that agreed to be part of this program when you were still kind of like, (laughs) you know, getting ready to announce it. You haven't even, as, as of this podcast recording date, you have not officially announced it. So this is very exciting. 
is there any particular reason why you decided to work with her first? Is she like uniquely suited for this or did it just happen that she was one of the first um, designers that you spoke to about it? Um, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. So, um, you know, Amy's a great person. She's a great entrepreneur. She's a great designer. Um, you know, she, um, I think it came about very early on because she was launching her new men's collection and, you know, she wanted to, um, she wanted to launch the collection and sort of test the market a little bit. And so she had called me one, one day and said, Hey, you know, what do you think about this? Um, we, we even bounced things off of in terms of like the name of the brand and stuff like that <laughs> to the extent she wanted to hear, hear about it, but I love that. So it's all cool. And, um, so, you know, we worked collaboratively, um, with that and I was so delighted and I think I mentioned to her even then about where we're heading. So it was just through sort of a exchange of, you know, hey, what, you know, what are you working on? What do you have coming? What are we working on? What do we have coming? And she kind of raised her hand and she said, oh, I'd love to do that. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> and so we went with that. Um, but at the same time, I've learned since that she actually has clients that have been asking her for this. And she's never felt like she could really take it on and feel feel good about it, you know, because there are things you have to think about for sure. And so she's always said, no, she doesn't offer that service. Um, and so I think when she heard this, she was like, oh, I can actually offer this service. Yeah, <laughs> and that's great. Things. Yeah, yeah. Are you, act great. are you actively seeking new designers to be part of this program or are you kind of treating it in the same way that you treat the memo website, like more curated, a little more careful, um, and if so, if you are, what are the requirements for it? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd say a little bit of, a little bit of both, right. Um, you know, the reality is there's sort of this vast new world, um, out there right now for us with respect to, uh, the API. Um, so, you know, in the, in, with respect to the API, we don't have to think as much of, you know, collectively, how do these designers all look on a website, right? Because they're not going to be all <laughs> next to each other on a website. This is their own independent websites. So, you know, some of those parameters sort of go away in terms of what we, what we seek. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, I still think, uh, at least today, this home try-on model works best for, um, you know, pieces of a certain price point. And I think that's um, a price over $1,000. You know, we'll have to see, like, in the future, like, is there an opportunity lower? But, you know, today we focus so much on the post-shipment experience that, you know, there's, added, there's a little bit of added cost in that, right? And so that's why I think the little higher price point pieces um, make that valuable. So, you know, somebody who's, um, you know, has fine jewelry, right, 14 karat, 18 karat, 22 karat, a fine jewelry, um, you know, that has a website today with the Shopify background, you know, we do have an area on the website. It's actually, it's a separate website called memohometryon.com. And um, it's pretty basic for now. It's going to be much more than this in the future, but they can basically um, go on. There's a form they could fill out. Um, I'd love to hear from somebody if they're interested, mm -hmm. right? And, and if people have thoughts or feedbacks or questions, uh, we're more than happy to to look at that um, and definitely add other Shopify uh, home try-on accounts today. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's just going to help us get, you know, learn so much more, so much more quickly. Mm -hmm. And right now, I, again, I think I, customers are looking for something, right? So I think it's great that you have that separate 
like landing page for them and that they can reach out to you if they have questions and concerns. I think it's cool to have a central resource that, you know, provides more information about it. So I'm kind of curious how you think this home try on program will change, or if you do think so, I'm sure you do, how it will change the way that consumers expect Mm. to shop for fine jewelry. Yeah. Um, how they expect to shop, expect to shop or want to shop. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I guess, are you offering something that they haven't even like imagined is possible or are you simply meeting them where they already are in their expectations? Like, are they already looking for this and now you're like coming to meet them there or are they going to have their minds blown by this? You know, you know, my mind has been blown by the women who say that their minds were blown. <laughs> um, I've actually gotten emails that kind of say that, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can't, I never knew this existed. Like, this is yeah. phenomenal. Like, you know, so, um, and yet, you know, I, I just go back to those early days of, you know, you think about the traditional in-store experience. And look, there's some boutiques that are incredible, right? That I would love to go and shop for jewelry, right? So there's a lot of um, retail storefronts that do this really, really well. Um, But, you know, sometimes there's larger ones or probably even smaller ones, right? Where it's not that intimate, Mm -hmm. um, right? And so, or you feel, or you feel that pressure. And I know so many women, like early, early on, we, we interviewed many women, even in New York City, many affluent, successful women who said, I hate buying fine jewelry, you know, because I'm walking into some, some place and I really want to buy something, but I'm just so uncomfortable. Like, it's just not fun. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think we created now an experience. I have had people literally write me and say, that was fun, <laughs> you know, and, and you say, well, what do you mean it was fun? Well, it was because I think it was, there's no, there's no pressure. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're relaxed and you're at home and, you know, I'll I'll tell you three days is, is plenty of time. A a lot of our clients actually buy it the day the piece arrives because they see it, they put it, they're like, yep, good. You know, um, sorry about that. Um, but then there's also women who take the three days and, you know, I'm, I'm probably one of those women because I want a certain piece to wear on multiple, for multiple different things. And so I actually did the experience early on and I used each of my three days every day. I would wake up in the morning and be like, these earrings or these earrings? Like, would I wear it with what I have today? And it really helped me hone. And by the end, I was like, I know, I know what I want, right? Um, I think most women perhaps are more decisive than me. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it that range so that, you know, whether a person knows right away or they need a little bit extra time, you know, you're not going to get that in a retail store. And the way that many retail, right. like, traditional brick and mortar retailers are trying to solve that problem is through Omnichannel. Mm-hmm. So maybe they are just capturing customer data in store and then following up with the customer through email or something. But it's not, it's still not as personalized and integrated as actually letting the person like experience the piece, you know, live with the piece, live with it, you know, live with it. Yeah. 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 What do you really think? And you know, we even tested women, um, uh, just about a year and a half ago, I think it was, um, 
we were testing some other concepts too, but one of the questions we asked was, do you need a longer period than three days? Like, should we be thinking about a five-day period? Is it too stressful to think about getting it back? And the resounding feedback was no, like, please don't, right? Because I know in three days, three days creates a buffer in case something's going on. But if you go to five, then I'm forgetting about it. And then I'm like, you know, you know that pressure, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Or you, you think you're probably going to return it, but it just sits there. And then, oh my gosh, it's like way past due. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, three days, I think is the number. So as we're wrapping up here, I'm just curious to know, what do you envision both for the memo website and for the home try on program in the coming months and even in the coming years? Yeah. Um, so some fun things. <laughs> so, uh, for the, me for the memo experience memo site, um, you know, we're, we're just trying a new service called membership. Um, something that lets us get even closer to our, our clients and our consumers. Um, it's also something I think in the future, um, and I've, I've spoken to certain designers about this, like, cause sometimes designers don't want to be in too many places, but if we have a private group of members that are certainly people who buy fine jewelry, um, that we can take a, a really tight collection and expose that collection just to that group. Um, first of all, it makes it very interesting to be a member, um, but it's a really interesting opportunity for designers as well, right? Because they have kind of this interesting ready audience that their pieces will be marketed to. So, and I think that hopefully ties in well with what we've been describing about experience memo and staying curated, right? Mm -hmm. um, from the home try on, you know, in terms of its evolution, you know, I, it's really along those lines that we talked about from, you know, what's the data going to tell us, right? What are we going to learn? And, and by that, I mean collectively. Like when we, you know, we see how Home Try-On works at a certain designer site versus, like I said, other designer sites. You know, what does that tell us either about that designer or, or collectively? And what are the other tools that we can then offer back to those designers? You know, some of it is just an understanding of how, you know, their product is doing in the market. Um, but some of it can be other new interesting tools. And we've actually worked on um, some new algorithms that we've seen from our website. Um, and I think if we can prove those out, those are things we can offer to the designer as well so that they can provide the most relevant products to the client base that they serve. So that's really where I see the evolution. Great. That's all so exciting. You guys are really, I think, trying to be true innovators in the industry. And I really appreciate that. Thanks, Larissa. Yeah. <laughs> are appreciate there any all <laughs> are there any final thoughts that you want sure. to leave with our listeners and viewers like how they can again maybe mention that website again how they can learn more about the program or anything else yeah. that they might need to know um yeah i mean please you know again the memo home try on site initially um is is going to be you know pretty basic in terms of just being able to contact us but don't hesitate i mean um you know we're always busy and so sometimes i can't get back or our team can't get back to like every single person that reaches out to memo um but you know it, it's i think something that is worth like looking at learning more about and more than happy to share information in, in what we've seen work or not work or things that we've been surprised by right so um i'm very much an open book on that because i'm a true believer um, you know, it's a huge industry, but it's sort of a small community, right? Mm -hmm. And so to the extent we can help each other, learn from each other, um, and service the client. I mean, 
that's where it's at. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Deb. It was so cool to hear about all these new initiatives and yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Sarissa. It was such a pleasure to talk to Deb about Memo, about how the company is totally transforming the fine jewelry shopping experience. Be sure to visit the Memo website at experiencememo.com and connect with Memo on Instagram at Memo Jewelry. I look forward to sharing more interviews with you. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information about marketing services for your jewelry brand, visit joyjoya.com where you can download our free ebook, Proven Conversion Strategies for E-Commerce Jewelry Retailers.